Welcome to the Listics AFL podcast, where we analyze AFL list building, free agency, trade, and the draft. We're also working to help everyone achieve their best possible mental health, and we'd like to acknowledge our podcast partners, Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or you need to talk to someone, please contact the team at Beyond Blue. You can call them anytime on 1300 22 46 36, or visit them at the website at www.beyondblue.org.au. Now, without further ado, I'm John Van Norden. And I'm Sean Lewis, and it's Listics Podcast Time. It is Listics Podcast Time, and uh, unfortunately this week I'm without my good friend Sean Lewis. Sean is in the middle of a full reno of the house. We've been over there to do the deck once or twice. Uh, He's smashed out the the bathroom this weekend, and and we'll probably have to move out of the house for a couple of weeks in order, order to finish all of that off, so... I just wanted to take the time to still get an episode out there. I know that there's a lot to talk about at this time of year. Um, so hopefully you don't mind hearing my voice for, say, 15 or 20 minutes. I won't I won't try to talk for too long. I say that now, but as soon as I start talking, I find it very hard to stop. Um, I guess one of the things I really wanted to talk about this week, obviously we're almost all the way through the preseason at the moment, so I'm recording this during the Western Bulldogs-Melbourne game. The Dogs are currently 30 points up. Um, and I, mean, I don't think that's super surprising to anyone seeing the Melbourne team that was rolled out this week. But one of the things that I find really interesting, and this is going to be a comment on both football as a whole, uh, but also on fantasy football, which a lot of people are thinking about at this time of year, is just how, I guess, our opinions can change so quickly and and with very limited amount of information. So, I mean, we saw it straight away from... Um, people that have watched the Carlton St Kilda game on Thursday night uh, and then maybe even followed up with if they could hold on that long the Collingwood and Richmond game on Friday just to start forming opinions about what the rest of the season is going to look like what scoring is going to look like how free and open it's going to be and that was more a comment on the first game but I think if you take a bit of a look back I mean most people know that this time of year is typically a little bit more open as people come in all fit and fresh uh, and everyone is yet to settle into how well their defense should set up that generally takes a little bit of time but it's definitely I mean it's definitely been fast-paced at this time of year but I mean if you're drawing those sort of conclusions of such a little amount of data um, it, it, what else are we going to draw conclusions off so I'll talk a little bit more about fantasy here uh, and, and I guess the approach that I try to take to shield myself from that uh, as well as be open to opportunities that do pop up. I mean, we've seen the ownership of a lot of different players shoot up over the course of the week. And I mean, it, it, it hasn't been off a lot of information. Like it's been off one game. And, and what I try to do to protect myself from that, like you see Short, Jaden Short had a huge game on the Friday night. And his ownership went from, I think, 2% to 15% of all coaches that had entered the competition. And that'll probably go up again over the course of the next week and a half as a lot of people that aren't changing their team yet get in there and change. But the fact that Jaden Short could score 166, or I think he did score about that mid-160s, isn't new information to us because he did that in the grand final last year. So everyone that had picked him in that initial 2%, had weighed in and gone, I think that Jaden Short is going to have a, a standout year and, and taken that into consideration. 
I doubt that the rest of the people, that additional 13% that have jumped on so far, have had that same sort of level of thinking. And I sort of say that because that's the way that I actually go about my thinking is that one of the players that was in that game that I'd said is a watch and won't be in my team until I've seen him play. But once I've seen him play, if his role looks good, if he gets a good amount of time through the midfield, if his touches look good, then he will 100% be in my team was Jordan Degoe for Collingwood. And I think that's the way that you have to be able to forecast during the preseason is not to look at it and go, well, you know, this guy scored 160, he's going to have a breakout year. Is to look at it and go, what do I want to see from this person in order to bring them into my team or bring them into consideration? For me, it was midfield time for Degoe, full game midfield, um, rotating forward, similar ratio to what probably a Christian Petrarca or something did last year uh, and that's that's in and that's into the side and that's a high risk player anyway so you can take a different examples but a good example for short would be I saw 160 from him in the grand final last year before that game if you said to yourself if he scores above 120 I, I'm going to think that he's worked out his role a bit better at Richmond and that means I'm going to bring him into my side and there's a whole lot of players that you could do that with throughout the competition if Dangerfield looks fit and plays a full game of midfield, he'll be in my side. If the preseason form of somebody like a Caldwell continues from Essendon, he'll be in my side. If, I don't know, I'm starting to <laughs> extrapolate here. Certain rookies, um, if they, I mean, if they just play a full game and look like they're playing a good role for the team, that's probably enough for rookies. Um, but what you just don't want to do is just react. So, um, some of the examples of people that could you could react around that I think are much more shaky. They could still be good, but are much more shaky. Alia Alia. I don't think anyone was thinking Alia Alia is going to have a breakout year and potentially average 90. Um, I know that he's a cheaper player, but that's a definitely a reaction to say, uh, I think like the amount of people that have brought him in now, he's up to like 10% of teams. That's huge. Um, GF. CJ at Hawks. Um, I don't think anyone before that game was going. GF, if he shows a bit, if he averages, I mean, if he gets a score and super coach around the 100 mark, if he gets around 20 touches, I think that this is going to be his year. And really being able to forecast accurately means sometimes putting a number on that or putting bounds upon that because otherwise you can fit a story to anything. So you'll see a number and you'll fit a story to it to say, oh, he's going to break out this year because of X, Y, and Z. But if you do that thinking before you watch a game and you go, if I see X, Y, and Z, I'm going to take that as an indication of this, then you're going to have much better results or you're at least not going to be swayed in the short term by a lot of the things that have been happening. And there have been a lot of good games. I mean, I don't think anyone should really be surprised or changing their rankings of where they see different teams during the year. But St Kilda had a good win against Carlton. They looked to it relatively comfortable, uh, comfortably. Carlton looked okay as well. 99 points they scored, so they had some injuries and their forward line definitely needs to come back together. But, I mean, all of that said, that wouldn't really change my rankings. Um, seeing Richmond play Collingwood, um, Richmond beat Collingwood by six. I wouldn't say that there's enough to change your rankings there. Maybe, if anything, people watching that might go, okay, uh, Collingwood got a bit closer than I thought that they would. They're a watch. Um, Hawthorne beating North Melbourne by 39 points. That's not really a surprise. I think most people have 
North penciled in for bottom few. Um, and Hawks, I'd say probably got them penciled in for bottom few as well. There were definitely a few surprises, but their midfield was pretty light on both sides, um, missing probably the best two players from the midfield um, in Jager O'Meara and Tom Mitchell and in Ben Cunnington and Anderson uh, from, from North Melbourne. So pretty hard to read into it. I know that it's not all about one or two players, so I still think the Hawks probably get the edge there, but um, interesting results anyway. Um, Essendon probably got closer to Geelong than people thought that they would. Um, Geelong looked good though, uh, and I don't think there's any reason to react and change rankings. Same with the Giants and the Swans. Again, all of these is like really hard to know what to do with the information that you're seeing. I mean, the same players that you think are going to play well and be important. Toby Green, um, probably the best player on the ground for me. Um, was the best player on the ground. So not a lot change. Adelaide got belted by Port. Again, they're, they're sort of in that bottom two, three um, stage that we sort of think that North Melbourne are in as well. Um, so not not that surprising. I mean, it was interesting to see that the role players, um, and by role players, I mean forwards and backs, all scored quite well for Port. Um, but it was a very high scoring game for them. So again, it sort of played at either end rather than in the midfield. Um, sorry, <laughs> I'm struggling. Um, it, usually I get a little chop out from Sean here. So um, the voice cracks up a little bit after a few minutes here. Um, Frio on West Coast, uh, disappointing to see a few injuries to, to Frio. Lob, I think, is especially important. And um, hopefully his knee injury isn't too serious, but we're, we're going to hope that Walters gets back as well. Um, West Coast beat them by 10 points um, and I think that Frio won last time so not much to read from that um, other than probably um, West Coast have a few players to come back uh, and they probably need them to come back in order to be a real threat in finals I think that they need to be at full strength um, Shuey at full strength Kelly back in the side um, will be it would be really interesting to see the West Coast Eagles they sort of keep getting older um, I know everyone does, but they keep aging up, so we'll see whether they can contest for another year. Um, the Dogs have been an interesting one to watch. Um, so they're in front currently by 29 points, um, which you would have expected given that Melbourne's playing without three of their top four midfielders uh, and probably without two of their top three or three of their top four forwards as well. Um, but their whole game is midfield, and that's sort of what it's shown, is that Bont, McRae, Dunkley... Libba are all scoring really well. Definitely think that the role that uh, Steph Martin is going to play is going to be important. He looks to have freed up English a lot. Um, but again, hard to say if anything's changed from this time of year. Um, and the final game is the Suns versus the Lions, which we expect the Lions to get up there. But I think the biggest thing for me, as I sort of said, is you try to forecast and create, create a... yeah. If you create a forecast and you put a number around it or something, it stops becoming vague for you and you don't get to interpret it yourself. You don't get to say, if he has a good game, um, I'll bring him in. A good game can mean anything and you can start to fit a narrative to it. So you could be that you see 19 disposals and you say, oh, I was good because of X. Um, when in reality, if beforehand you'd said, a good game for me seems like 20 disposals um, with a good mix, maybe... 50-50, contested, uncontested, um, and starting um, at centre bounces fairly regularly, maybe 
10 cent ounces for the game. That sort of gives you some good parameters to start saying, okay, then how am I, what am I measuring against rather than just using my own intuition. Um, and I, as I said, I've sort of done that throughout. So another player that I was watching um, and I've been making these forecasts in our group chat to make sure that people hold me accountable to them uh, was Orazio Fantasia. I sort of said, if Orazio can kick a couple of goals or more um, and, and look like a valuable contributor, and I guess that is the speculative part. So I probably should have put some more um, more structure around what that valuable contributor meant, but a couple of goals is easy. Did he kick two goals? Yep. And he did look like a valuable contributor, so he'll be in my side. And just being able to do that, as I said, takes out any of those biases. Speaking of which, um, I'm listening to some really good books at the moment. I know that I've recommended Thinking Fast and Slow before, um, which is Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, uh, who, is, who are the most important behavioral economists and identified a lot of biases and heuristics um, in the way that we make complex decisions. So highly recommend that. But I'm currently listening to one called The Undoing Project, which was uh, by Michael Lewis, who's the same guy who wrote Moneyball. Um, and it's sort of in a follow-up to Moneyball, not not like a Moneyball 2.0 or what, where were they afterwards, but it was more a comment that Michael Lewis was speaking to somebody after he wrote Moneyball and they pointed out that he completely missed um, a really key thing, which was why were, was baseball making these wrong decisions over and over? Not that, that they were doing it and that that was being exploited um, by the Oakland A's, but why were people systematically making the wrong decisions? And it sort of looks into that as well as the life of Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman, who were two of the most interesting people um, especially from, a, as I said, a behavioral economist um, or a, a behavior and understanding people perspective that you can you can find. And I highly recommend it because it allows you to sort of um, apply a level of judgment to your own thinking. Not that that stops anything. I mean, I, was, I always criticize people when they trade on draft night in order to move up and they pay a lot of overs. Um, and I did that in our in our draft. We've got a keeper league draft going on at the moment. I did that the other day, traded up huge amount of um, future assets as well as current assets in order to move up and grab Riley Tilthorpe. Um, I love Tilthorpe, so I'm not uh, that unimpressed, but it's really easy to see how these types of things happen um, and how you break your own rules very quickly when you can create a story um, and that happened for me because I watched Riley Tilthorpe highlights uh, the day before this all happened. So this was the game that he played in the Sample. Uh, Sample reserves kicked about four goals, looked fantastic. And I could sell myself the story of this kid being fantastic and this being a bargain, even though I was trading overs. And I've done that a couple of times now, which makes me really upset. I should have been doing the opposite and trading and gaining a lot of future value, but Hopefully I learned my lesson and um, we'll do a team review when Sean, because uh, the draft is almost finished, but we'll do a bit of review of um, keeper league rankings for a lot of rookie players as well as where our teams are in both classic and keepers soon. Um, look, I, I'm not going to go on for too much longer. I'm, I think I'm going to stop it there because I'm getting sick of hearing my own voice and I definitely need to take a breath. But if um, we'll hopefully get another podcast out this week, Sean and I will make an effort to. 
Um, and if you've got anything that you want to hear from us at the moment, let us know because although we're still going to get through that final four club review, which I'm still not sure if it's, if it's going to happen, um, just given that we're almost started the next year, just let us know on Twitter if you want us to chat about anything and yeah, we'll get back to you soon. Thanks again for listening guys. And thanks for being patient while we get out some more episodes and yeah, look forward to speaking with you all soon and thanks for listening. Bye. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. Know when anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.